I, I wanted to foster more people out in the world uh, doing animal photojournalism and having a home for the work. This is Defender Radio. I'm Michael Howie, and this is Defender Radio, the podcast for wildlife advocates and animal lovers, brought to you by the Fur Bearers. This episode is later than originally anticipated. Between both human and canine health issues and some technical whoopsies, things got delayed. And before we get into the episode, I want to let you know that Joanne and I get into some heavy conversation about compassion fatigue and the emotional weight of advocacy work. If that's not something you're up for, no problem. We'll be back next week with a different subject. Just please know that there are many available resources to help manage self-care, compassion fatigue, and other emotional or mental health-related topics. You can start by talking to your doctor, a primary caregiver, or just Googling what local resources exist in your municipality or county. Always remember that you matter. Now, let's get started with this week's episode. Photographs tell stories. Some of them are funny, some sad, some tragic, and some a mixture of many emotions. Regardless of what story is being told, photography has a way of getting to people when words have failed. And that's one of the reasons why We Animals Media matters. Through a variety of storytelling methods, including founder Joanne MacArthur's incredible photography and photojournalism, We Animals Media is a home for a catalog accessible to traditional media, advocates, and everyone in between. It's also the site of some exciting new projects, like a We Animals Masterclass, book sales, mentorships, and, really, more than I can say in this short introduction. I was thrilled to chat with Joanne about the history of We Animals, the current project she's developing with a growing team, and what the future holds for the world's premier animal advocacy storytellers. We've got a lot of different things to talk about. I'm going to start us at the beginning um, yeah. with We Animals. Let's just, like, we're going to get into a few elements of this. So okay. let's start with how did We Animals come to be? Where, how did uh, uh, Joe, the, the photojournalist, decide to start that project? Joe was not even a photojournalist at the time, so I was um, I was in love with photography, traveling around, saving up all my pennies to travel around and do stories, and I was looking at all sorts of stories and street photography, humanitarian work, but I had a profound regard for animals, not just for photography, just like an intense curiosity about the world, and I saw that there was immense injustice towards animals, and an invisibility there. Uh, we we use and abuse them every day, but they are beyond our, our line of sight. And so this turned into the We Animals Project, which was, you know, a girl and her camera out in the world documenting uh, all sorts of use of animals. And it has grown since then. Yes, it certainly has. There, uh, there, there are movies. There are countless interviews. Um <laughs> Tens, well, the, the We Animals Media Archive, according to my press release, has over 12,000 photos and films. Um, like, it's, it's, it's remarkable how much you've accomplished. It really, really is. In addition to other projects, such as uh, Unbound. Uh, is it Unbound or Unbounded? 
that's not unbound. A word. Unbound. The unbound, okay. the unbound project. I, yeah. I was looking at it again today and I knew it was unbound something. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, but that's a wonderful project too. Oh, thank you. And it, it just all comes from a very strong drive to um, continue to do as much as I can for animals and yeah. for the people helping animals as well in a support role. All right, so let's let's talk now about the new project, and we'll circle back to some of these other ones as well, because I'd like to remind people that they are there because they really are worth checking out. So, uh, We Animals Media, a new home for the stories of non-human animals. So how did this come to be? Because this, this seems sort of like an extension of what you were doing originally, but taking it to the next level. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Um, we, I, I wanted to foster more people out in the world uh, doing animal photojournalism and having a home for the work. And uh, I mentor a lot of people every month for years now, I mentor people and uh, they come to me and they say, how do I do what you do? Or I need advice on investigative work. I need advice on coping, this kind of thing. And um, I was hoping to, you know, grow We Animals into We Animals Media, which is a small international media agency dedicated to telling the stories of animals. Um, I was hoping it would be a build it and they will come situation. And, and that is what's happening. People are um, joining us as contributors. We have about a dozen contributors now uh, in the photo film and in photo film and writing capacities. And um, it's a huge endeavor and it's taking a lot of building, uh, relationship building, systems building. It's, it's, it's bigger than I thought it would be. Mm. <laughs> And I've moved from, you know, role of photojournalist to role of, of director, uh, manager. So I'm, I'm learning that as well. And, you know, we're going to give it our best. We're going to tell that many more stories uh, that need to be told, not just of animal sentience, but as they overlap with environmental issues, human, human rights issues, women's stories. And uh, I'm really going to give it my all. I have a really great team of strong, smart, passionate people. And uh, we're going to give it our best. It looks great. Uh, and you've already got a, a an array of stories on here. Some of them upsetting, some of them motivational, uh, some of them inspirational. It's it's a nice mix. And I, I'm excited to see it grow um, and what else you're able yeah. to, to accomplish with it. Uh, and that's, that's, that's very certainly, though, my experience in doing media stuff as well is you kind of you have a vision at the beginning of the day. And by the end of the day, you're going, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. What did yeah, I get myself into? Exactly. It's like, this is a monster. If you want to do it well, there are a lot of things that need to be put in place, even like legal contracts for all the people you're working with, keeping people safe, fundraising. I mean, my gosh, this is something that requires, you know, like hundreds of thousands of dollars now for people's salaries and projects and flights and sound people and editing people. Mm -hmm. um, we're really, really grateful to the Open Philanthropy Project. So they are the reason we got this off the ground. They gave us a grant at the beginning of 2019 to, to build this and execute. And, um, and only as we began did we see just how many systems needed to be put in place to make this a well-oiled machine. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I just, I don't know how you're managing it. I, it's so much stuff. Um, and it does so many things too. We have a, it does, yeah, maybe too many things. We're, we're still working on that. Uh, we have a great director of operations now. We have a full-time social media person. We are currently hiring a full-time comms person. Uh, we have an archivist, um, all sorts of things. So um, I, I, I really look forward to 
having all of these uh, operations and systems built so that we can concentrate fully on just getting the stories out. And we have uh, a, a lot in the pipeline. We're a bit bottlenecked there, but it's good. We just have a lot of a lot of work to roll out. And I'm really excited about that. Now, something I'm very excited by, um, and I, I believe I had heard about this, and now I see that there is a button I can click, which I am going to do on Friday, <laughs> for the We Animals Photography Masterclass. Yeah. I would love yeah. to hear more about this. <laughs> I told you we had a lot on our plate. So, mm-hmm. I mean, um, aside from bringing on contributors and, and all these different projects we do, uh, as I said, I also mentor a lot of people, and I, I have for a long time. So what we decided to do is um, is build a masterclass, and this is very much a, a catch word these days. It's popular. Mm-hmm. Um, I get asked to give masterclass talks uh, at conferences worldwide, and I and I mentor, and and um, so we're like, okay, let's let's put together a series of episodes on answering all of the questions that people ask me. Coming back to again, um, how to take better images, how to do investigations, how to cope. Uh, what kind of gear do you shoot? Um, what kind of lighting do you use? And so all of these these popular questions are now in eight episodes in this masterclass. And so we've just launched the advertising for that. And then it will be live uh, at the end of September. And people can uh, pay, I think, $35 right now to get access to those episodes. Um, it equals about two and a half hours of teaching. And there are also... Uh, resources attached to that and homework after each episode so you can you know do the homework and get the most out of the out of the master class by going out and, and taking pictures that's awesome <laughs> well, yeah yeah and soon we'll be implementing uh portfolio reviews for people uh to help improve their work and next year we will also be launching a we animals media fellowship uh, where we give bursaries, basically, and support to people who are doing films and photography. Incredible. You're, you're, you're building an empire, so to speak. Trying to. Trying an to. Which, empire which of kindness. Ah, yeah. I mean, this is all in the service of, uh, you know, animals and uh, reducing, you know, reducing suffering, reducing cruelty. All, all of those terrible things that are happening every second of every day around the world. Yeah, it's a lot, which leads us into one of the lessons you have that I want to talk about, because it's an important issue to me, uh, is coping with trauma. So we can talk about this in the range of things from just basic self-care and mental health awareness all the way up to the the level that you manage. Um, and I can say you know, my personal experience is with animal stuff is primarily secondary um, as most people know, I just try and tell some of the stories. I try and work with the media and stuff like that and do all the stuff for the fur bears. But, uh, when I was a journalist, there was a lot of, it, it was rarely animal related, but there was a lot of difficult things to witness yeah. and report on. And it's something that, uh, despite the fact that I try and bring it up in damn near every episode, I still don't think we talk about enough. So. How do you, uh, and I'm not going to ask you to give the masterclass, that's silly, but how do you approach this subject with people who are advocates, activists, um, or very simply, you know, the folks who are on Facebook or social media a lot and simply consume a lot of this information and a lot of these stories? Yeah, well, this is a big topic. We could probably have a, an hour-long conversation <laughs> on it, but I, I do always want to acknowledge that anyone it's it's not just me who's going to you know suffer trauma from being a first-hand witness it's people who are viewing the work 
and taking in the work and caring about the work, uh, absorbing the content and the message. And so it, it makes a lot of sense that we would all feel traumatized and, and pretty messed up that we cause such violence. Uh, it's okay to feel traumatized and probably it's, it's, you know, positive in some way. It shows that like you're empathetic and caring. Uh, but what to do with that, right? Um, there is so little support, as you said, there's so little support in the world for empathetic people who are just opening their eyes uh, and taking in what's going on. Um, so we have to use the few resources that we have um, by way of therapists and books and community support, whatever is needed. And we just have to use those things. And people who are activists are often just very driven to work on the topic all the time and not self-care. Uh, we're, we're quite notorious uh, mm. for that, unfortunately. Um, but that also causes burnout, as you know. Um, animal rights is a revolving door of people coming and going after, you know, in a couple of years because it's such hard work and the progress is so slow. And so, I mean, I mean, it's hard to get people to practice self-care. I didn't. I mean, I, I wouldn't have listened to me. Um, I was like, that's an emergency. Everything's an emergency. I just need to work, work, work. But that's why people come and go so quickly and they leave and they don't come back. It's hard work. So um, whatever the key is to accessing people in a way that they will understand that they have to look after themselves as best as possible, whatever that may be, they need to do it. And I had to learn. I had to learn to do it. It took a long time. <laughs> I'm stubborn. Like, <laughs> well, and that's one of the things that I found is that the way we do self-care needs to evolve along with us. Um, what I did when I was in my early 20s in dealing with some types of trauma is much different than what I'm dealing with in my late 30s. Um, okay. And so both the content of the trauma, but then also how I need to manage it. Um, now yeah. I need to be much more aware, I think. Uh, I, the way I put it is my teacup is much more full now than it ever was because I'm focused on animal issues, but it, mm. it, it definitely is something that requires ongoing insight, I guess, is this the point I'm trying to get across. So even those of us who have said, oh, I know how I take care of myself, uh, you need to challenge it. You need to say, am I doing enough? Um, mm -hmm. am I slipping anywhere? Um, you know, and of course I am a strong, strong proponent of any form of talk therapy because it's someone else to help you say, are you doing it? But, uh, yeah. moving along to unbound is a wonderful project. And in the spirit of the project, I'm not going to say anything else. I'm going to ask you to explain what it is and why it's as awesome as I, uh, as I think it is. And other people do as well. Okay. Well, when I was traveling, doing all of this work for animals, I noticed time and time again worldwide that it was women on the front lines of animal advocacy. Uh, I also noticed that it was men in positions of leadership uh, within animal advocacy. And I did some research into this and saw indeed that the animal movement is made up of 60 to 80% women, uh, the worker bees who uh, are highly represented uh, or what's the word? women who are like uh, highly involved in the movement, but sort of less visible and uh, underrepresented in positions of leadership. So I thought, okay, well, I want to celebrate the work of these women and I want to give it a historical home, be it a book or a website, uh, media visibility. And so I created the Unbound Project and then brought on a co-founder, Dr. Carrie Cronin, and then brought on a team to work on this project. And so we tell the stories of uh, inspiring women, 
pioneering women, hardworking women worldwide who are changing the world for animals. And, and coming back to this thing about it being a historical project, uh, women are so often written out of history. Um, and I don't want that to happen in our movement, uh, especially because their work is just so interesting and, and, and forward moving. And, and so that is the project. It's been going for a couple of years now. We'll probably wrap it in a year or two. Um, I don't think it'll be in book format, which was the original plan. And the reason is that once we get to creating a book on these women, all of their stories have changed. Like we'd have to redo all of the <laughs> yeah. interviews and redo all the photos. They look different too. And so I think it's home is going to be long-term on, uh, on that website. Awesome. Yeah. And you can scroll through, I'm scrolling through right now. You can use the arrow keys, which is just talking about the, the various systems you need in place for the other websites. Um, I know that's a challenge. Okay. Sorry, I'm just, I'm babbling now. It's fine. No, no, it's okay. Every, every, everything's good. Um, uh, no, just so, so the like arrow keys are, the arrow keys are helpful as opposed to the other site where we don't. That's not, no, uh, no, sorry. Right. That's, that's not what I'm saying. It's, it's just, it's one of those things that a photography site specifically may have, whereas a media site may not. It's just, it's another one of the little differences. Okay. Um, it's, it's a, of no consequence either way. <laughs> I'm, I just, I like the sound of my voice. We all know that. Uh, something else I want to talk about, which is late now, um, but you did win the Wildlife Photographer of the Year uh, People's Choice Award uh, in for a photo that I think everyone who's familiar with your work will recognize. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I just wanted to, to give a moment to that because it is, to me, a profound photo and some of your photos um, stick in my head. And I'm sure this is true of many other people. And I think I probably said this to you before because it does tell such a powerful story. And this one is one of those photos uh, mm. that in every element of it is telling a story. Uh, what's it like sort of having that now in the back? I mean, you've now you've achieved this incredible thing <laughs> and now you're achieving more. So what's it like to sort of have all of that? It's like, yep, I did that. This is this incredible photo. And now I'm on to the next thing, which you're also <laughs> going to succeed at. Well, uh, that's not how I see things. I mean, it is a, a wonderful award to have. Uh, and it's a, a deserving image it, because it's an incredible story. It is, it is quite a moment captured for people who uh, have not seen the image. It's a man named Apollinaire, and he's holding a gorilla named Pickin. Uh, they're in the back of a truck and she's being moved from a small enclosure to a larger enclosure. She was sedated uh, for the move, but she woke up early from the sedation and you should never get in a car with a gorilla. Uh, <laughs> that's dangerous, uh, uh, an awoken gorilla. But um, as I nervously took pictures, knowing my life was at stake, uh, she remained calm in the arms of her caretaker because they have such a close friendship and she trusts him and he's smiling at her and she's looking out the window and um, something additional about this image, which just makes it so heartbreaking and poignant, is that she was orphaned by the bushmeat trade in Africa. Uh, her parents would have been killed for bushmeat. But Apollinaire, the man, uh, was also orphaned by civil war. Um, he witnessed the death of his parents in Chad and also uh, became a refugee. Um, so it, this, this picture has many levels to it, for sure. And, I had, a, I had this really great moment uh, at The Guardian in London a few months ago when I was meeting with one of the photo editors there. 
we went to her desk and she had that picture. It was only hmm. one picture uh, taped up at, at her desk. And it was, I think it was a picture of her dog and that picture. And I said, oh my gosh, you have my picture up. And she said, this picture for me is like hope for all of humanity. That's why I have it here. It's like the best picture. <laughs> I was really hmm. honored. But it, it does move people and it gives people hope. And my work is just so damn awful most of the time because it's investigative in nature and it's exposing horrible, cruel truths that are happening uh, beyond the spotlight. So this this image is a nice image for people to rest on and to, to feel something different. <laughs> well, um, and it's it's got to be a positive for you to know that as well, that you can cause that emotion. And that's something I've been trying to be cognizant of is the impact we have as individuals through what we do. And I can say when I see that picture, it does bring me a feeling of hope. It makes me feel lighter. It it makes me smile because it is so genuine and pure and wonderful. Um, I, I encourage everyone to, to look it up. It's just so wonderful. Uh, but at the same time, some of your other images, uh, as I was saying, they stick with me. Uh, and I'm sure they do with many others. And it's certainly in um, Captive, some of those photos, I think, uh, because it's it's got the contrast. Uh, and, and in regards to captive and all the other harder images, relational to the big win of the hopeful image of Apollo and Aaron Picken, that winning that image gave me a much bigger platform to talk about all the other animals. Mm -hmm. We we are you know quite comfortable looking at gorillas and charismatic megafauna and pets etc., but we're not comfortable looking at the animals uh, who we eat and where. And uh, so because I was doing so many interviews and media around that, around that film, I was able to talk about, you know, all of the work that I do, which is really, really important. It's actually important to win awards in, you know, wildlife journalism or any kind of photo awards because it gives you additional platform and visibility for free work. And for me, the stories I really, really want to get out there are not, for me, the gorilla stories, because a lot of people are focusing on that. It is, you know, the stories of the chickens and the pigs and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So for me, that was the main uh, bonus to, to winning that award. Um, I had a question. Now it's gone. Uh, <laughs> that happens. <laughs> yeah. Journalists, uh, this, I've had a big shtick for a long time about media sensationalism. One of the issues for journalists, um, and, and I should say more specifically, one of the issues for editors and pagination editors is finding imagery to go with stories. Um, you know, so for me, frequently, I'm going to stock photo websites. Uh, we do work with some photographers who do wildlife photos, but with the sheer volume of content we create, um, I need to be able to quickly say, I need a black bear that fits these dimensions uh, mm. to go with this article, just right quick. And that's often the case, but We Animals Media is creating an opportunity to start shifting that is is this something that you're considering and i'm thinking about this as i'm looking at some of the images from captive because they tell such stories um and uh, all of your photos do uh and i think this one though it's it's the contrast still grabs me i anyway i'm going to talk about how great your photos are the entire time if we don't keep going so um <laughs> Um, well, I mean, you, you said a lot of things there, but I want to <laughs> circle back to a specific question that I can answer. Yeah, that's probably um, best. You just take the reins now. I'll... 
you, well, you talked about you know being at, being able to access images, and mm -hmm. we, we have built our archive with twelve thousand images and videos. But the archive is glitchy. When we built it, it was it was developed because I was like, oh shit, we need a place to put all of my work so that it's not sitting on hard drives. And so we built something quite basic, but you know we we can't capture the data we need, and it's not as user friendly as we'd like. So we're in the process of um, finding a different platform and uh, constructing something new so that this is a kick-ass archive, the kind that any editor can quickly use as opposed awesome. to laboriously use. So um, that's also one of our, well, like the big project for this year. Um, regarding, I know I had a question that's gone again. It, it, I'm circling around something and it's not coming to me. Well, you were talking about captive. You brought up captive a few times. Well, so one of the reasons I'm really looking at captive uh, too, and thinking about it currently as we go through this, is um, uh, my little brother is getting into wildlife photography, and he's got a very he's got a very good natural eye for it. Um, it was really impressive what he's been able to capture doing a lot of bird photography and wildlife stuff like that, yeah. um, and trying to talk to him about storytelling in yeah. photography, and I just I. I genuinely captive tells such strong stories because it's not just look at this animal. It's look at this situation. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I'm just, I'm trying to think of how to incorporate that too into what I do with writing about con like, cause I'm a writer primarily. So how do I incorporate what you're able to do into what I do? And I'm not paying any attention to this interview anymore. Um, <laughs> No, 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 this is good because what you're pointing out is is um, that, yes, I'm an animal photographer and like I photograph animals and you write about animals and animal situations, but we have created those situations for animals and that is why you see us in all of my animal images. And it's one of the reasons the project is called We Animals is because this is a look at our behaviors, the constructs we have created to confine animals. And so in every single of my animal images, they, they are not portraits. They are a look at systems and our fingerprints on every aspect of their lives. So you see the cages, you see the chains, you see uh, people, you know, ignoring the animal right in front of them and taking selfies because it's all about us. It's about us and it's about our needs and wants and it's not about them, which is why I found the captive book interesting to do because I talk about invisible animals, but these are not invisible. They are in plain view. And yet they themselves as individuals still remain invisible because we're just not considering them. When we go to a zoo or an aquaria, we are considering, you know, our day at the park with our kids, having ice cream, taking selfies, having a good time. And so that is what I was, one of the things I was trying to capture in that book. Well, and I think it one of the reasons it's hitting me right now, uh, and I'm going to be overly emotional and open, is Good. yesterday I was. Uh, we did a whole series of uh, media on the uh, raccoon who was caught in a conibear trap in Langley City, BC, mm. and uh, I, I did several interviews with. You know what it's like. You do ten in twenty minutes, uh, and then later in the day, after I, had, you know, I said I'm done for the day. I'm going for my run. I'm doing all of these things, and I talked with Michelle Morton from Daily Hive. Uh, and she asked a question no one else did. And that is, what is your reaction to seeing this situation? And mm. there's a photo, uh, and this was Critter Care Wildlife Society brought in this raccoon. And without going into gruesome details, there's a photo of 
the raccoon, a uh, juvenile male, at the back of a carrier with his paws in a conibear trap uh, oh. and a look of it, it's it's this it's confusion and it's it's fear uh, and it's 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 a haunting image that's going to stick with me. And when she asked, how do you describe like, how do you describe your response? My, the way these pictures make me feel is my response to that. And I can't quite verbalize it yet, but it is seeing this, 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 there's a desperation. There's a devastation of spirit. Um, And it's, it's very difficult to, uh, again, to verbalize, which is frustrating as all hell for me because that's my job. Um, And it's just looking at these, I think that's part of what's really drawing my focus away from everything else and onto them is it is, that's the image, right? That's the feeling. Um, so, so there you go. I should just send these around. Like, this has nothing to do with a raccoon, but you got to look at these pictures. Oh, yeah. Um, for me, when I look at those images, the, my response is very physical and, and visceral. Yeah. And when we are empathetic people, that, that just happens, right? It just like the shot of adrenaline comes up through my whole body and I, I just desperately want to help. Um, or support the people helping. Um, and if I'm feeling that way, I mean, imagine how that individual is feeling. And I'm always very aware of, yeah, you know, that's one story and one individual and all individuals matter, but like multiply that by billions yeah. uh, every day, which I think is why I work so hard. Yeah. <laughs> and coming back to coping and working hard, for me, I find catharsis in action. And uh, that is probably why I'm compelled to just keep building and moving forward. Um, because if I was not doing enough with these images um, and the things that I see, I'd just be hopeless and traumatized. And if it just feels good to, to, you know, try and fix things, uh, mm-hmm. it feels good to problem solve. And so, yeah. 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 That's very true too. Um, and I certainly have this weird sense of accomplishment when I do a good job at an article. Uh, or yeah. an essay or something because you know the cause of that article or essay or whatever so um well now that we've let people know what it's like in the joy of working as a full-time animal advocate um how do people get involved there's a lot going on uh with we animals and with joanna MacArthur, photographer so let's break down i'm going to see if i have a little list here of the the different things i think i've got them open in different windows so we Animals Media, Photography Masterclass, Purchase Access now available, which I'm going to do on Friday. Yes, okay. it is. Perfect. Uh, and we're going to send it. I actually texted someone while we were talking about this. Um, <laughs> well, keep asking. Okay. Uh, which is maybe why I forgot what I was doing. Um, who knows? Professionalism mm-hmm. can't be measured, right? So, uh, We Animals, people who want to support this project can. Uh, what are the ways they can do that? Thank you. Um People can support us financially. Of course, that's, that's the big one. Uh, it costs a lot of money, you know, for all the boring stuff like salaries and uh, <laughs> all the operational costs. But, you know, the quote-unquote sexier stuff, hate to put it that way. I mean, those are really real costs as well, like getting us in the field uh, out there day after day and, you know, paying for camera fixes and flights and, and that kind of thing. So, uh, oh, yeah, and donating aeroplan miles. That's a big one as well. Mm. Um, that really, really helps us out. Um, people can share our work. I mean, that's what it's out there in the world for. People can 
uh, refer one another to, or refer people, sorry, to uh, the We Animals Archive. That's also what it's there for. Our, there, our work is out there in the world to be shared and used. And, uh, and we want the archive eventually to be a go-to for anyone who's looking for animal images of all kinds. Um, so that's, that's a start. Um, we also have lots of people writing to us right now asking how they can be a contributor. So we're a bit backlogged there, but uh, we absolutely welcome uh, these queries and submissions because we want to have a, a great big team of people we can work with worldwide. Yeah, and I'm just checking. There is, a, I don't recall, I know I looked at this when you launched. Uh, yeah, there is a spot on the websites for con uh, for people who are interested in contributing um, with what they need to provide as well, mm -hmm. uh, which I know uh, being a former editor, if people can follow those requirements, makes life significantly easier um, <laughs> yeah. because then you're not chasing and asking questions. You can just look at the work. Um, and, and sorry, and go ahead. Uh, sorry, yeah, there's, there's also a section at the bottom of the site, uh, resources. And, um, you know, on, on social media, especially people say, well, how can I help animals? So we like to direct people to oh, beautiful. Um, resources. Uh, there are books listed, organizations, films, um, things that will help people on, on their path. And when people ask me, what can they do? Um, I always say, well, what are you good at and what do you like doing? Um, just because you've seen someone leafleting or being a photographer doesn't mean you have to aim for those things. I mean, we need animal rights lawyers. We need, we need animals, you know, neuroscientists. We need philanthropists. And so there's so much we can do. So I would suggest people, you know, employ their particular set of skills, web developing, design, like the sky's the limit <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, on behalf of animals. Yeah, so there's a section on the site with links and resources, but also a section called How to Help Animals. Yeah, I, that's great. I love that. Uh, and it's lots of different types of things, too. Uh, and that's certainly something. Uh, and this this is curious for the the artist side of you that I have read about more recently um, on my path of self-discovery and other really <laughs> annoying sounding hipster things. Um, the concept that just because you're not immediately good at something, for example, photography, writing, uh, painting is not a reason to not do it. And embracing that concept has actually been huge in my self-care as well as my openness to trying new things in terms of storytelling. Um, so that's just something that popped into my head that I thought was maybe worth adding to that. Uh, yeah, challenging ourselves can be very rewarding. It's just always painful in the beginning, painful and intimidating. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you always have to learn something to get good at it and uh, be open to critique, which... We photographers are tend to be a little bit bad at. He <laughs> <laughs> can't be as good as the actors who don't like notes, though. Yeah, can't, can't be as good or as bad as. Sorry. Can't be as bad as the, the uh, act. Yeah, that's 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 a like emotionally devastating thing to watch happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and people who are interested in your ongoing work, who want to find out more about your books, about your galleries, things like that, what's the best place for them to go? Well, it's also the website. So it is a busy website, uh, reanimalsmedia.org. And we have, I really want to draw people's attention to the galleries because any, like most things that you want to find out about, be it coaching or 
rattlesnake roundups or pig farming or fish farming, that kind of thing. We have galleries. We have information there, but we have galleries as well. And I would say the best of our best images are are there. Um, I think that answered half your question, though. <laughs> it works. Uh, the other one was the books, which I see are also on the same sub-menu as uh, the photo gallery. So it's our work. And then there's buy books. And there's going to be a third book. <laughs> Ooh, we're going to have to do you that know, one, too. You know, because we're just not busy enough here at We Animals Media. <laughs> mm -hmm. You should probably just spend some time developing an app to go along with all of this, too. You're actually right. Yeah. This is, this is actually what we need to do. Oh, uh, really? I was fact, being funny and not no, succeeding. No, no, we need we need apps. Okay. All right. <laughs> but but the, um, this next book, which we're barely talking about yet, so you get to be among the first to hear about it, mm. uh, the working title is Animals in the Anthropocene. Uh, the Anthropocene is the proposed uh, geological name for the current era with, of, of human domination. We are a a geological force now with climate change, etc. So that's Anthropocene. Uh, working title Animals in the Anthropocene is not just my work. I am an editor and I have a co-editor on this. And it is an unflinching look at our animal use worldwide. And coming back to being historical, historically focused in my work, like with the Unbound Project, for example, we want to give images a, a historical home, a longer lasting home, um, not so that they're just not, you know, breathing by in the newspapers and in media and in social media. Um, it's in, that's why I think it's important to create books. And this is going to be a monster book, you know, probably a five pounder. Um, and again, an unflinching look at our uses of animals worldwide. It's not a book of happy endings. It's not a book that everyone is going to want to buy other people for Christmas. Uh, but it will be a, a talking piece probably fairly limited edition. I mean, probably under a thousand copies. I mean, unless it does super, super well. Um, but it's because these stories and these images need a home. And so far we have about a dozen contributors. So again, it's not my work. It is the work of the, you know, what I and my editor perceive to be the best animal advocacy photojournalists worldwide. Wow. Yeah. Well, I can say I used to love getting anthologies of things like Pulitzer Prize winners, uh, yeah, essays, uh, the best true crime of the year, things like that. As a writer, I love to as a photographer or an animal lover. I'm certain this will also be of uh, uh, wonderful significance. Uh, as you said, it's not going it to necessarily be an easy, happy leaf through it book, but uh, to to look around the world at all of the different things and to get the best of the best is a very exciting prospect. Yeah, it's also a way of continuing to legitimize animal photography. Of course, there's a lot of pet photography and wildlife photography, but all of these other animals, you know, photojournalists still barely touch the subject. And so by featuring the work of a dozen exceptional photographers, um, putting it in book format um, will help legitimize, legitimize the subject matter. The book was actually inspired by James Noctway's book called Inferno. So he was, he's one of the most famous war photographers in the world. And uh, about 10 years ago, he put out a, a book that was just a beast of a book called Inferno. And it's an unflinching look at uh, genocide, war, famine, uh, all of these things that, that have been inflicted uh, on us, by us. And it's a profound book. And I thought, 
I want to do this one day for animals. And so that's what this, uh, our book is going to be. Excellent. And I thought of the question I was struggling with earlier, and I thought it's a good one to wrap on uh, because it is something that I think both you and I get frustrated. Well, I get frustrated by, I don't know if you get frustrated by it, but talking about media um, and journalism, how do we encourage the popular media, mainstream media to begin looking to we animals as a resource? Uh, We've talked about the functionality of it, which is, Mm -hmm. is a separate issue. But the need to tell stories the way you do is per, is is present in the media currently. How do we teach them to sort of move in this direction of storytelling about animals? Uh, I just think that animal advocacy media needs to continue to professionalize and adopt um, a more objective tone. I mean, I really fought this for a long time. I was like, this, you know, blah, 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 this is bullshit. Like, you know, like atrocities are happening and we need to speak about them blatantly. And and yes, we do. But, you know, how many how many doors are going to be slammed in my face before I learn that lesson and play along? You know? Mm. Yeah. And um, and I don't I don't mince words and I and I show things truthfully. But um, I think, you know, activists are known to be screamy and overly subjective and that does not go that does not fit with the media's you know ethos and so uh be tempered be smart be scientific you know tackle things from different angles um tell the truth and um i think i think our work will go farther and yeah i mean the the subject matter is important and legitimate and that is simply a fact that is uh, gaining traction. Thank goodness after mm. all these years. And it's going to be harder for media to ignore, uh, ignore these facts, which is good. Thank goodness. Finally. <laughs> well, and you know, what's a great example that's very, very current, although this is going to be a late, I think is the Amazon uh, burning stuff. Uh, and mm-hmm. I said that very callously because for the sake of this discussion, it needs to be. But when we look at it objectively at how did we go from no one talking about this to international leaders tweeting about it over the course of three or four days, um, I think it's a very powerful example of we showed the story. We showed the impact it's having and we provided people with the basic information. Um, and the this is social media in one of its rare occurrences functioning ideally. Um, people said, holy crap, why aren't we talking about this? And they said it so much that we started talking about it. Uh, so I think that's very in line too with what you're saying of let's just keep talking about this because the more people hear about it, the more they're going to talk about it too. Yeah, I don't I don't think I can add to that. I think that's is good and that's what's happening. And um, what we're seeing with the Amazon and all sorts of stories is momentum, blessed momentum. Mm. So uh, it becomes an even greater responsibility for all of us in the media to to continue to push that forward in a strategic uh, and intelligent way. To learn more about We Animals Media or Joanne's work, visit weanimalsmedia.org. They can also be found right across social media. I want to thank Joanne for taking time out of her busy schedule to join me and all of you for listening. Please join me on social media 
at Defender Radio on Facebook and Twitter, and at Howie Michael on Instagram, so I can learn more about what you're interested in hearing on this show. And you can see some fun photos of what I get up to, and of course, adorable photos of JJ the Hamilton Hound. Until next time, I'm Michael Howie for Defender Radio and the Fur Bears, reminding you to be kind and stay informed and stay strong. <laughs>